I'm just going to share some things which just have been happening to me over the last fortnight. I've been to a few conferences. Started two weekends ago. I went to one last weekend. But just not just that, but just my personal walk with the Lord and how God has just been speaking to me. And I just felt that I wanted to share my little journey with you this morning because it tied in with what God's been doing at the conferences and different things. So a couple of weeks ago, um, Monday morning, I thought I'm going to fast and pray for a few days leading up to the next conference. So I, I wandered around Gogmore Park about eight in the morning and uh, I'd just been meditating on Song of Solomon, the first five verses. And um, I entered the park and this very sweet aroma. I could smell this wonderful perfume. I didn't know where it was coming from because the park was empty. But I, I just thought, I'm going to follow the path around and find where this smell came from. So I, my pace quickened to see what, was, where I'd, what it would lead me to. And anyway, I walked halfway around the park, and there was nothing. There was nothing, but the smell was still there. And I carried on walking, and uh, I saw a gentleman I know who is uh, and he's drink-dependent, he's an alcoholic, and I saw him go inside his long coat and get out a bottle of wine and take a swig and then put it back. And I wanted to catch up with him and just have a little chat with him. I carried on praying, as a, but when I got round to him, he'd actually disappeared out of the park. And God was just, he just, through these two events, just kind of spoke to me again through Song of Solomon. And uh, so we're going to look at a little bit of that, but I'm going to look at different passages as well. Um, so really, what I want to talk to you about is how love changes everything. But it also initiates Something. So Song of Solomon says this. It's the bride confessing her love. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Now, when I was looking at this passage, I didn't want to overstretch this passage because primarily this is about a married relationship and the, the joy of being together and intimacy. And it's an allegory. And we can use it for our relationship with God, but I don't want to just solely use this passage because actually throughout the Bible, there's plenty of other verses and I didn't want to stretch this too far. So I'm just going to look at some different verses. But as you can see here, the parallels that from my experience of walking around, smelling this fragrance, and then it says, your anointing oils are fragrant. And it was just like drawing me. He was saying, come, come and find me. And, uh, and then I saw the, this, um, this gentleman who's just first craving in the morning was some wine. And then the verse is there, your love is better than wine. And I wanted to share that with this young man. And, uh, but we all need to hear this. So I want another passage in Jeremiah 31, 3 says, it starts with God declaring his love for the people. And then it leads to what his response is after the initial love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
I have drawn you with loving kindness. And then if you read the rest of that chapter, it then just goes on and on about what, what, what from his love, what's the response? And you can read through, there's dancing, there's vineyards being planted, there's fruitfulness. And later in verse 12 it says, they will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. They will be like a well-watered garden. And when we were away, we, uh, there's a gentleman called Phil Wilthew, one of the leaders of the hub, and he referenced about how we delight in our God. And he said this thing. He said, loving and delighting in the Lord is not peripheral. It's central. This isn't something we do on the edge. This is central to who we are, loving and delighting in the Lord. There's so many things that we can learn from just these couple of passages. Firstly, he draws us. He doesn't impose his rules or force us to obey him or love him. His love is compelling. It's like a fine fragrance. It's intoxicating like a fine wine. I believe again and again, he just wants to awaken our senses to his love. I love the verses where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to smell, taste, see, feel that the Lord is good. Love isn't just a head thing. I was talking to my father about this, and he said that there's a woman who regularly comes to his church, and every time during worship, she smells this sweet fragrance just in the room that isn't coming from anyone else other than the Lord. So Phil Wilthew said this, loving and delighting in the Lord is not peripheral, it is central. It's from this place of joy and delight and worship that everything else must flow. He suggested that we need to look, actually, back at the Creator's master plan. Go back to the big story, his original intention and design. And he took us back to the Garden of Eden. And as we know, the garden was created, man and woman were created. God stood back and said, it was very good. It was very good. Now, Eden, that word actually means delight. And so we have the picture here of Adam and Eve with God in his creation, enjoying one another in the garden. Let me read from Genesis 2, 10 to 14. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, is one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there, it was, where there was gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellion and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Now, Phil just, just briefly explained the meaning of these four rivers that flowed out of Eden, flowed out of that place of intimacy and enjoyment and delighting in God. Pishon means increase. 
Gihon means bursting forth. Tigris, rapid, and Euphrates, fruitfulness. So we've got this image, his original design, man and God together, delighting in one another, and then life and rivers flowing from that place. And that is what he wants from us as well today. The plan hasn't changed. So therefore, it follows that when we're not coming from a place of delighting in God, if that's not our original starting point, then the rivers don't flow so easily. It is drier, it's harder work, and it's, more f- it's just more difficult and, and less fruitful. So I want to just encourage you and encourage myself that before I do anything, before I work, before I serve, before I witness, I must prioritize delighting in the Lord. I, I, I know, as I'm sure you do, if I come from a different place, a place of grumbling or dissatisfaction or anger discontentment, the rivers soon dry up and just the life and joy is sucked away. However, if we are full of the joy of knowing and being known by God, resting in that presence of the Lord until we're safe and secure, we understand our identity as his beloved as a child of the king, then the rivers will increase. They'll be increase. They'll be bursting forth. They'll be rapid fruitfulness. George Muller, a gentleman from the 1800s, he kind of understood this. He opened, uh, f- he opened about five orphanages in Bristol, And throughout his lifetime, he cared for 10,000 orphans. Then, when you think he'd put his feet up, at the age 70, he was a missionary, a global missionary. He was busy, and yet he understood what it was to delight in the Lord. He said this. It's a wonderful quote. The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. I try and remind myself of that before I busy myself. He, he had great financial need. He, he was busy. He had to support all these orphanages, but he never actually told anyone that he needed money. Not once, but he did tell the Lord. Probably in those moments of just delighting in God, he said, Lord, I do need this finance. And over the years, he received one and a half million pounds, which is equivalent today of about 86 million pounds. You can see the rivers flowed for him. There's many other scriptures. I mean, the whole of the Bible is about, I mean, all the songs we sang, there's so much about God's love towards us. And... uh, Other scriptures, delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the person of Jesus. But one of the scriptures that maybe sometimes gets overlooked is the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I guess we can sometimes struggle with just loving God, and it can seem a difficult thing to get our hands onto. And I think sometimes the reason that we struggle loving God is because we actually don't appreciate his love for us. We can't love him because we can't accept his love for us. And actually what came out a lot from what Maureen was sharing is just how he told her that she is worthy. She's worthy to be loved. And in that place of knowing that you're worthy, as soon as we understand and appreciate the, the mystery of receiving, which was another subject that came up from the conference, the, the significance of how to receive from God. We have to learn to receive this free gift of love and grace to us. To receive the overwhelming affection of God. And when we do this, it, we're compelled to love him back. We're compelled to love others as he's loved us. A.W. Tozer said this, Nothing bothers the devil more than a Christian delighting in God's presence. I think we all want to have those rivers flowing. Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He's talking of the Spirit. So I just really want to kind of ask you, where, where does your serving, your obedience, your witness, where does it start? Is it a place of duty, of discipline, or is it a place of delight? Now, love is very linked to obedience, but I just felt this morning God say, obedience is the fruit of love. It's not the path to love. Now, we can find the command to make disciples a bit of a burden, to heal the sick. It can become a bit of a burden. Or is that just me? I just want to suggest that maybe we've got the order the wrong way around for the greatest commandment. We're going for love thy neighbor, the second commandment, before the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. One thing I've learned over 20 years of marriage is, uh, I may have learned it, but I don't always practice it, you have to be intentional about loving someone. You know, delighting in my wife, Jen, it's not my default position. I'm basically still quite selfish. I'm sure some of you guys may be able to relate to this. <coughs> I have to be intentional in delighting in my wife. I, I have to, you know, 
love doesn't happen just by drift, does it? it? You have to be intentional about displaying love. We have to make time. I have to do the flowers, the thoughtful gestures, the listening, the communicating tenderly, not harshly. It's the same with delighting in God. We need to be intentional. We will not just drift into loving God. We need to make the time. If we're going to love God with all our heart, soul and mind, make time to be alone with God, to listen, to communicate, to sacrifice your agenda, your needs, your plans. Only one thing is needful. So let's not stray too far from the presence, from delighting in the presence of the Lord Jesus. So it's a really difficult subject to talk on, delighting and loving in God, because it's not something that I can just teach and then you receive and then you just do it. It's not as simple as that. It's not a, it's not a classroom thing. It has to be something that you all do individually. I can't do it for you. And I believe the Lord Jesus would love to just draw you as he's drawing me. He'd love to just draw you into that place of intimacy and love and oneness again afresh. So what I'm going to do is to kind of close, we're going to play uh, a video which is called The Father's Love Letter. Is that okay? We don't need, hopefully, if not, I'm going to have to play it on my phone. We're not going to play it yet, but in a moment, I want you to listen carefully and receive these words. This is God's word. This is the Father's words to you. It's a letter comprising of kind of different verses from the Bible of what he says over you. So we're going to spend the moment just listening and receiving. Receiving. Each of you receive these words for you. Individually, Don't let the words just fall on rocky ground. Don't let them not penetrate your heart. Ask God even now just to make you malleable, soft, to receive these words again. Maybe they're familiar words. Don't get familiar with God's love. Accept this as a, a love gift. Embrace it. Take it to yourself. You don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. You've not earned it. None of us have earned it. Like that song that says, you don't love it, you, you may not deserve it, you have not earned it. It's the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God for each of you. We only love because he's first loved us. So you need to receive that love before we can even attempt to love him back. Um, so as I said earlier, Saprise Sitoli, the guy who spoke about receiving, he said this, that the art of receiving just unlocks the gift. And he was talking about the gift of the Spirit, the gift of salvation. I'm here talking about the gift of love. The secret of receiving unlocks the gift of love in your life. Finally, before we play the uh, video, Mike Bickle, in his book, 
old book now, Passion for Jesus, said this. It doesn't matter how much human energy or natural zeal we possess. Passion for Jesus is the fruit of recognizing his dedication to us. Not the fruit of our dedication to him. We will walk in a life committed to him because he is committed to us. So Colin, if technology works, let's see if we can play uh, this video and please do listen. toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and 
and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Just all bow our heads. Father, I've tried to convey the extent of your love to each one of us. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw very close to every individual here. And the words that we've just heard and seen would go deep in people's hearts. Father, my prayer is that each one of us learns the joy and delight of being in your presence. Being in that place of being happy in God. the rivers might flow. That we'd be able to return our love back to you and then love those around us. Thank you that your love initiates things in our, life, in our lives. 
Thank you, it's not a static thing that we just receive. But Lord, it has a response and a fruitfulness that comes out from that place.